Hey there, I'm Andy Molinsky. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast, where we engage thought leaders about the challenges they have had in stepping outside their comfort zones in their lives and their work, and also advice that they have for young people interested in developing their leadership potential. This podcast is sponsored by Brandeis University's International Business School and the Perlmutter Institute for Global Business Leadership. So today uh, we have with us a very special guest, uh, Marshall Goldsmith. Uh, Marshall was born in Kentucky and received an undergraduate degree in mathematical economics and then an MBA from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business and a PhD in, at, at UCLA from UCLA's Anderson School uh, in Los Angeles. And I was happy to hear that this was a PhD in organizational behavior. So we have a, we have a connection. Um, early in his career, Marshall was an assistant professor and then associate dean at Loyola Marymount um, University's College of Business. And since then, uh, as I imagine you probably know watching this, Marshall has transformed himself into a world-renowned uh, business educator and coach uh, and really the leading expert in his field. He, he's, he's the author or editor of 35 books. And, you know, to be honest, it might be more than that. <laughs> uh, they've sold, you know, millions of copies, been translated into multiple languages, bestsellers in many different countries. He's a highly regarded uh, coach and teacher and management thinker. And I could go on and on, but I'll stop here. <laughs> and thank you, Marshall, so much for appearing uh, on our podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, so let's, I'm, I'm so happy you're here. So, so let's jump right in. Um, I want to start with comfort zones. Um, and, and I'd love for you to share with us a, a time when, when you've had to step outside your comfort zone, maybe sharing with us uh, what, what it was like, what the challenges were, how you overcame them, any advice you have, and, and, and then we can go from there. I'm going to give you two, and okay. they're both very, very related. I got into my the executive education business, a lot of luck. I met a very famous man named Dr. Paul Hersey. He got double booked. And then one day he said, can you do what I do? I said, I don't know. He said, well, look, I need help. Can you do this? I said, I don't know. He said, I'll pay you $1,000 for one day. Well, I was making $15,000 for one year. So I said, sign me up, coach. I flew to New York. I did a program for the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. They were incredibly angry when I showed up because it wasn't him. But I got ranked first place of all the speakers. So then they were happy. So they called Paul up and said, this guy was great. Send him again. Paul said, do you want to do this again? I said, sign me up, coach. Well, that was the first time I got out of my comfort zone was taking that leap and I was probably safe because I was too stupid to realize how important these people were. And like you, I'm bald. I, I, I looked older than I was. So that, that was a good thing. <laughs> then um, the next time is after a few years of working with him, he called me in one day and he said, you know, you're making too much money and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you're just doing the same thing. And hey, you're going to make a good living, you're going to be very successful, your clients will be happy, you're never going to be who you could be. And I have to say, for 12 years, he was right. If I had to live my life over, I would have taken that advice a lot more seriously. It's very hard when you are making money and you are comfortable to challenge yourself. And then another thing happened. I was in New York at the New York Stock Exchange. I did a training program. I got ranked 4.8 out of 5. And my friend Rick Culley was the head of leadership development. And Rick said, I said, Rick, how can we do better? And Rick asked, he said, you're, you're asking the wrong question. He said, you're already getting a 4.8 out of 5. I mean, how many can you get? 4.9? Some people don't get fives. 
you really be, need to look at the big picture of your life and challenge yourself and how can I be better and different? And really those two things helped me get the inspiration. I met Francis Hesselbein, I met Peter Drucker, I started writing. And I would say those are two examples. And in my own job, what I do is I help very successful people achieve positive lasting change in behavior. And one of the great dangers of change is comfort. The more comfortable we are, the harder it is to change. Somebody wrote a great book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I forget the author, but it's a great book. And it talks about how the, the qualities that got us to where we are are not the qualities that may help us get to the next level. Uh, the new book I'm working on with my friend Sally Ellickson is going to be out April 10th. It's called How Women Rise. And part of that book is women often, more than men, confuse their job and their careers. They get so wrapped up in doing a perfect job that they don't, they sacrifice their career for their job. They don't think about the next level. How can it be something different? How can it be better? They can more easily get wrapped into just doing a perfect job of where I am. So those are a few examples from my own life and in general of comfort. I think you're onto a very, very important topic and, and it is challenging. And the more comfortable we are, the more challenging it is. That's uh, thank you. Those are those are great examples. Can I actually rewind to the original example? Yeah. I, I I really like that example. Um, so how, how long how far along in your career were you, were you when you were asked to do that gig in New York City? I was twenty eight years old, and that was forty years ago. I put it in context: a thousand dollars for one day. Right. I was making fifteen thousand dollars for one year. And did you? I know it was a long time ago, but did you immediately uh, say yes? Did you waffle? Were you, it sounds like you were afraid a bit, right? I, I was ambivalent. I, you know, I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't want to fail. Right. And what made you move from, so, so I know people in that circumstance who would say to themselves, ah, well, you know what? I haven't done this before. I, you know, it's, it's probably not for me or they'll probably find someone better and so on and so forth. But you took, that's door A, you took door B, which was, okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> what, what enabled you to do that? Well, I have a degree in mathematical economics and when you're making 15,000 bucks a year and a guy offers you a thousand bucks for a day, I ran the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over this thing. And again, that was 40 years ago. Right. I mean, I'm not an economist anymore, but that's many thousands of dollars in today's dollars. And I was a kid. Right. And, and you know, and again, a lot of life is luck because um, that was not hard work. Yeah. I was a 28 year old kid. I'd never done it in my life. That was, I just have a gift. I have a good gift for speaking and teaching people. And so just happened to get lucky at a young age. So that was it. And he, he, Help me. He's one of the heroes I use in my uh, hero exercise about adopting people. And he's one of the people that changed my life. He gave me an opportunity. And that's one reflection I have for you and your work. And that is one is getting out of your comfort zone. And two, though, helping others get out of their comfort zone. Any human or animal will replicate behavior that's followed by positive reinforcement. The more positive reinforcement we get, the more we fall into a trap. What's a trap? I behave this way and I'm successful. Therefore, I must be successful because I behave this way. So what happens is we don't change. And the more comfortable we are, in many ways, the harder it can be to change. Why? You don't have to change. You don't have to change. And the problem is one day you may wake up and say, I could have been more. Mm. I could have done more. Why didn't I do more? 
Why didn't I write the book? Why didn't I make the leap? Why didn't I, why didn't I just go for it? Um, some friends of mine interviewed old folks who were dying, got to ask this question, what advice would you have for the young you if you had to live your life over? And one of them is go for it. Just go for it. Uh, we almost never regret the risk we take and fail. We always regret the risk we fail to take. And you really, when you get older, you see that more and more clearly. Are there regrets that you have about risks you didn't take earlier on? Not too much. The reality is my life turned out so well. Again, I have a degree in math. Statistically, if I changed anything, the odds on things coming out better would be remote, and the odds on things turning out worse would be almost certain. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it roll again. <laughs> no changes for me, please. <laughs> that, that math and economics degree sounds like it was useful. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd way. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I abandoned that field, but some of it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, um, so we, uh, I, I work a lot with young people and I, I know you have as well. Um, yes. and if, if someone were a 28 year old, actually, let's say younger, 23, yes. 24 year old, you know, um, leaving college, interested in developing maybe their leadership potential, mm. leaving, leaving the safe confines, safe and predictable confines of college and stepping into the professional world. Mm. What advice would you have for them? Like, like that's a great time, right? You know, you're open so many opportunities, but also there's so many things that are scary and outside your comfort zone. Right. What would you say? I know, I know it's a generic question, but I, I imagine you've got some interesting things to say. Well, I'm going to share some advice that Peter Drucker gave me. I had the privilege of, he's also one of my heroes, had the privilege of spending uh, 10 years on, on the board of the Peter Drucker Foundation. And, um, I mean, I got ranked number one leadership thinker in the world. My intellect compared to him was that of a 10-year-old. I mean, this guy was smart. He taught me so many things. And one lesson I think is good for people at all stages of life, a lesson I used with CEOs who wish they'd gotten it when they were younger and didn't, is this. Peter Drucker taught me our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove we're smart and not to prove we're right. Very few of us understand this. You see, you in your life are a great example. You've taken 12 million tests in your life, test after test after test after test. You've spent most of your life proving to people that you're smart, that you're worthy, that you're not stupid. Well, it's so hard to stop doing that. And what people learn when they get into organizational life is you're not there to prove you're smart. You're there to make a positive difference in the world. And if you don't make a positive difference in the world, it really doesn't matter how smart you are. It's irrelevant. Well, the next great learning point from Peter Drucker is this. Every decision in the world is made by the person who has the power to make the decision. Make peace with that. Not the best person, the smart person, the fair person, or the good person. Every decision is made by that person. He also taught me, if I need to influence you, and you have the power to make the decision, there's one word to describe you, customer. There's one word to describe me, salesperson. You don't have to buy. I have to sell. Great advice for young people is you're here to make a positive difference. Sell what you can sell. Change what you can change. And if you can't sell it and change it, let it go. In my book, Triggers, there's one question I talk about. Before you do anything, am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? Am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference on this topic? Now, the answer is yes. Go for it. If the answer is no, let it go. 
we waste so much of our lives. Like here, live people's lives. Uh, the, ba the basketball team, the Donald Trump, the movie star. I mean, one of my neighbors in my New York condominium, a young woman named Lindsay Lohan. How many millions of hours were spent of people reading that Lindsay Lohan got drunk and stoned and was in a car wreck? Well, you know, a great thing to remember is if you ever think she's a loser, she's not wasting her life reading about you. <laughs> so, you know, really live your own life. Live your own life. Am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive difference? And some tragic statistics. The average kid that's flunking out of school in the United States spends 55 hours a week on non-academic media. 55 hours a week. That's a disaster. Going into last year, do you know what the number one uh, most visited site on YouTube was? Couldn't tell you. PewDiePie. Oh. A racist, sarcastic Swedish guy played video games. You mm. know, visits 17 billion. Number two, world wrestling, 16 billion. That's thousands of lives being wasted for nothing. Well, you know, you're not going to change the world by watching PewDiePie play video games or watching world wrestling. Figure out how can I make a difference? What can I do that's real? And just focus on that. That would be my advice for young people. And also realize decisions aren't made based on logic or rationality. And you need to really focus on how can I influence a decision maker to make a positive difference in the world. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. And, and it's, I think it's great advice. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself as you're talking, um, the, you know, the, the older version of me can really embrace that. I'm wondering about the 22-year-old who feels the imposter syndrome, and they hear the advice, I have to sell myself, uh, I, have to, I can make a positive difference, but who am I? I know nothing, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, in, in the more that I step into this world of, you know, the professional world, I feel like the less I know and the, and the, the smaller I am. So what mm -hmm. advice would you have to the, to the person experiencing the imposter syndrome? Well, what I would say is this, it's really not that hard to be the world's expert on the topic. I mean, it sounds very daunting. When you're young, you've got time. True. And, you know, I mean, the common statistic, I don't know how accurate it is, at 10,000 hours of investment, you're the world's expert on a topic. Well, all right, 10,000 hours sounds like a lot. When you're young, it's not that much time. My advice would be this, be the world's expert at something. You did it yourself. You met people who were experts on topics. You learned from these people. I did it. I wouldn't be having this conversation, and you wouldn't be having this conversation had we not done that. Well, I didn't claim that I was the world's authority on everything when I met Paul Hersey. Paul Hersey taught me something that's great for young people. I asked Paul Hersey this question. He said, I said, how can I work with you? How can I sell anything? Why would anyone buy anything from me? Just like you said, I'm not famous. He said, use the word we. We. Now, we was 99% Paul Hersey and 1% me. It was still we. Ken Blanchard was part of we. Well, you know that we went a long way. Peter Drucker, we. Well, I think it's fine for young people to realize you don't have to be the world's expert now. Meet somebody that is. Get a mentor. Get someone that can help you. Have a we. And you did that. I did that. That's why you're where you are. That's why I'm where I am. We couldn't have done it by ourselves. At least I couldn't. I don't think you could have either. No. You found people to help you. And, and they were the decision makers, and they believed in us. Yeah. Um, most young people is do the same thing. 
Yeah, that's great. That's that's great advice. Um, uh, and I, I could ask, well, a young person might say to themselves, well, why would a mentor want me? But I guess I can already anticipate what you're going to say. <laughs> oh, by the way, almost anybody, when a young person reaches out to them and says, look, yeah. I want to be like you. You're a hero of mine. I really would like to study what you've done. Can you help me? A huge majority of people are going to say yes. I completely agree. Yeah. Some will say no, and that's okay. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about the ones that say no. Yeah. A lot of them are going to say yes. And yeah. how would you feel? Hey, I think, what am I doing? I'm adopting people. I'm teaching them all I know. Why they ask? <laughs> they ask, right? Yeah. Right. Why am I talking to you? <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. You ask me. Um, one last one last question, I guess, would be your new book. Um, is there anything you'd like to share with people about your book? It sounds really interesting. Yeah, my new book, got a copy, How Women Rise. It's with my friend Sally Helgeson. She's the lead author. It'll be out on April 10. And um, I think it's very related to what you're talking about in your work because many women undersell themselves. Uh, the average woman gets better leadership feedback than the average man. The average woman has one issue to deal with much more than the average man. That's a desire to be the perfect everything to everyone. Number one, women tend to be too self-critical. And then number two is the opposite side of the same coin. Women are, let, are more hesitant to promote themselves. Um, and they often have this really misguided belief that my good work should speak for itself. As if somehow God is going to fly out of the sky and recognize your good work. Well, you know, God has better things to do this week. Well, your good work doesn't necessarily speak for itself. I and mean, if that were true, no company would need a marketing function. So one of the things we talk about in the book is the aim of the book is to help women make a positive difference in the world. And as I said, decisions are based on power. Power is defined as influence potential. Well, if you want to influence the world, you have to have power. Well, how can you get it? Now, the book doesn't say you should try for power or want more power. But it says if you do want to influence the world, you're going to need to have more potential to influence the world. How can you get there? And part of it is getting over that reticence, as you mentioned, that fear, that imposter syndrome, and realizing, you know, I can make a positive difference. I can make a bigger difference in this world. And, and also getting out of being stuck in comfort, getting out of being stuck in that perfect position at this level, which is stopping you from getting to the next level. It's great. It's inspirational. Uh, and uh, I'll have to check it out myself. So um, I, I, I appreciate your, your being with us. Uh, so much wisdom, insight, uh, great, 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 uh, great, great points. And, and it was really uh, a pleasure to talk with you. So thank, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone podcast. If you're interested in learning more about comfort zones and the work I do, please visit andymolinsky.com. And you can also find all social media links there or by Googling my name, Andy Malinsky. Also, feel free to email me directly with ideas for future podcasts, questions, comments. My email is andy at andymolinsky.com. Thank you so much for listening.